When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the 59th Minute FPL Podcast, which is brought to you by Fantasy Football Scouts. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. Game Week 4 is in the books and we now enter the first international break of the season. If you're new to FPL this year, international breaks are also known as hell. The longest two weeks of your life, especially if you got a red arrow at the weekend. They are a good time to take stock of the season so far though, catching up on highlights, looking at stats and studying the fixtures for the next block of games. The Game Week 5 deadline is not until Saturday, September 16th, so there's plenty of time to contemplate your next move or moves. Be patient as always. In today's episode, a quick review of Game Week 4, three new members join the 59th Minute Club, the watch list gets updated, a few stats that caught my eye from Game Week 4 and a couple of season stats as well, listener questions and we'll finish with a very early look at captaincy and potential transfers for Game Week 5. There won't be a Friday episode this week, with there being no games at the weekend. The next episode will be after the international games are all complete, so most likely the Friday, the day before the Game Week 5 deadline. A quick review of the Game Week. With the free transfer, I sold Martinelli to Madison, sold a good pick for another good pick, And thankfully it went all right. Martinelli probably had his best performance of the season, at least football-wise in my eyes. FPL-wise, I think it was a five-pointer where Madison got the seven and happier to own Madison long-term. But Martinelli has been added straight back to the watch list. Finished on 69 points which was a red arrow from 650k to 1.1 million. 1.1 million is very familiar territory for me. That's exactly where I was for six weeks last year during the World Cup in November and December. So that's bringing up some scars, but everything worked out all right after that last year. So no panic here. In terms of the points, again, don't get too hung up on your rank so far. For example, I'm 1.1 million, but I'm only 11 points behind the top 500k. And I'm just 25 points behind the top 100k. So everything is very bunched up together. And it'll be the same in your mini leagues. So the points came from basically Captain Haaland did the business with 40. Good that I didn't overthink that one. I'm sure most people were the same this week. Madison was 7. Rashford with another 7 which was quite satisfying as well. Saka with 4. I think that was it. Blanks in defence which was the case across the board, really, unless you started a Nottingham Forest player against Chelsea. Blanks for Johnston, Gusto, Chilwell, and Estupinion. Really struggling with that name, don't I? Bruno Fernandes with a two-pointer. Jackson with another one-pointer. Is that three yellow cards in four games? And Watkins blanked as well. Question about Watkins later. The bench was Turner on the bench with points, but I was never going to start him against Chelsea. Gabriel finally got a start for Arsenal. He was my first sub. Nakamba with one. And Bayer, who looked like he was going to be ruled out of Game Week 4, actually played and got himself a minus one. So overall, I don't think the team 
is in too bad a shape. There was some slight wildcard temptation for this international break, but I don't think I'm going to do it. I'm not going to rule out doing it maybe next week if a few issues crop up between now and then, but I'm certainly not activating the button this early in the international break. A very warm welcome to three new members to the 59th Minute Club. It's been quite a busy opening four game weeks for the club, which is great to see. At Bournemouth, Antoine Semenyo, 59 minutes. Already, after four game weeks, we have five Bournemouth players in the club. So, new manager Anzoni Ariola is certainly a listener to the podcast. We had Thomas Frank last year with a lot of shout-outs, and it looks like Bournemouth are the team for me this season. Also join the club, Zeki Amduni from Burnley and Pablo Sarabia from Wolves. A couple of notable mentions, as always, a triple substitution for Newcastle in the 57th minute. Almiron, Tonali and Jolinton, all very lucky to miss out on the club. And Chilwell just about again made it to 61. So there's a 60-minute appearance and a 61-minute appearance so far for Chilwell. Question about him later, so we will talk about him then. A watch list update now ahead of Game Week 5. Lots of midfielders and forwards added this week. Eze is the first one from Crystal Palace. He was on the watch list going into game week one. He's on it now after getting his first goal of the season. And just another all-round good performance. He's got good underlying numbers. Fixtures are a little bit mixed. Again, talk about him again in the question section. But he's back on the watch list. Hyungman Son joins the watch list as well after his very impressive hat-trick. Playing out of position through the middle for Tottenham. He is currently the most transferred in player ahead of the next game week. And I've seen official FPL tweeting today that the curse has continued. Game week two, three and four, the most transferred in players blanked in each game week. It was Sterling in game week four. I think it might have been Chilwell in game week two. Another player added to the watch list, a couple of Arsenal players actually, Odegaard and Martinelli. Just sold Martinelli, but I'm always open to come back to players in their future if I think they're good options. Odegaard on the score sheet as well. Only have Saka at the moment from the Arsenal attack. So when Arsenal's fixtures are good, I'll be keeping an open mind on Odegaard and Martinelli. Gabriel Jesus, the Arsenal forward, also joins the watch list. Back from injury recently, back in the team. Scored a fantastic goal to kill off the game against Manchester United. He was in a lot of Game Week 1 drafts. A lot of us would have been there if it wasn't for the injury. So I think a lot of us will end up flocking back there in the near future as well. Could be some rotation with the likes of Enketia and stuff like that. But I think once Jesus is fit and firing, he will be first choice in that team. Evan Ferguson, another hat-trick hero from the weekend. I still can't believe this guy is only 18 years old. Thankfully, he's Irish. We're pinning our hopes on him for the next couple of years. He's going to be our Erling Haaland, hopefully. Hopefully, he stays fit and can fire us to a major tournament. It's been a while since we've been to one. Ferguson at Brighton, we're always slightly concerned with rotation. Welbeck was injured for this one, which allowed Ferguson to play. And boy, did he make a big impression. So again, with that performance, I think it's going to be hard for Deserbi to leave him out of the team. There still will be rotation, I think, especially when Europe kicks in for the Seagulls. But he certainly looks a very interesting option for us FPL-wise. Now, if you're willing to take the rotation on, which we might need to do with certain players, then Ferguson's right up there as a very good option. A similar player is Darwin Nunes at Liverpool. 
More FPL points at the weekend, but again, not a huge amount of minutes. I think it was 64 minutes. He's a player like Ferguson. When he's on the pitch, he's going to perform well. It's just whether you're willing to go for a 60-70 minute player who could sometimes get 15-20 minutes against someone like Anoli Watkins. Watkins is not even a good example because because he's had a couple of early substitutions this season. But you know what I mean? You're getting a 90-minute striker versus someone like a Ferguson or a Darwin. And I think we might need to get a bit braver with our choices. Certainly I might need to with these kind of players if I want to find some points this season. The final player added is Odson Edward, who's had a very impressive start to the campaign at Crystal Palace. Three goals, good underlying numbers. Talk about his stats in the scout stats section shortly. But again, I think he's only 5.5, I think, off the top of my head. Very good price. If you're looking to free up cash from mid- for midfield, you, you could do a lot worse, I think, than getting Edward as your Crystal Palace forward. Players removed from the watch list going into the international break. Saliba. I've got Gabriel, so I'm not going to get Saliba. And the Arsenal fixtures over the next four or five game weeks don't scream clean sheets to me anyway. So Saliba's gone. Gavardiol's gone from City as well after his benching. If I'm going to go for a City defender, which is probably unlikely given that they find a way to concede in almost every game, it's going to be Ruben Diaz, not Gavardiol. Solly March is gone as well. I still think he's a fine FPL pick, but again, with Fatty coming in, there's so much rotation, you know, possibilities in that Brighton attack. And if I'm going to buy a Brighton midfielder, I was very impressed again by Matoma at the weekend. So March is gone from the watches because I do prefer Matoma when it comes to Brighton midfielders. Final player removed is one of the 59th minute men this week, Semenyo, 4.5 million forward, gone from the watches because Archer is a better 4.5 million option. Archer already on my watch list from last week. Time for some numbers now. As always, on a Monday morning, I jump into the Fantasy Football Scout members area and I see what was happening in terms of statistics from the weekend to see how it matches up with the eye test or if there's anything that I missed, in particular from the games that weren't on television. Defenders, first of all, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Five chances created. Very impressive numbers. I think it was a 12-pointer for Trent at the weekend. Still don't feel like I need to go and spend that money on a defender when there's other good attacking fullbacks out there. Luca Dean continued his impressive start to the season. Four chances created for Aston Villa at the weekend, but I always have that doubt in my mind. Once Moreno is back, they're probably going to share minutes. Onto the midfielder stats: Bukayo Saka five chances created. Happy to see that as an owner. Bruno Fernandez four chances created, and Eze at Palace also created four. Danjuma at Everton, five goal attempts, four shots in the box, but a caveat here, good fixture against Sheffield United, so I wouldn't be getting too excited about that, let's face it, he plays for Everton at the end of the day. Rashford's and Son, five goal attempts, four shots in the box, so again, good numbers that I like to see as a Rashford owner, and very tempting numbers if I'm looking to buy Youngmin's son. Madison and Odegaard, both had five goal attempts. I think only two of them were from inside the box for each player though. Matoma had four goal attempts, three shots in the box and three chances created. So Matoma passed the eye test and he certainly passed the numbers test in game week four also. Still a very good pick regardless of fixtures. Mbumo, good numbers, two big chances. And for the season, if you t- even taken penalties out of it, Brian Mbumo 
is the top midfielder for non-penalty XGI with 3.44. So if you own him, you probably should have had even more points. As someone who doesn't own him, he's still right up there as one of the players that I really wish I owned in my team. Looking at that non-penalty XGI for midfielders for Mbumo, making up the top five are Madison, Bruno Fernandes, Bukayo Saka and Jared Bowen is now also in the top five. Another stat that caught my eye from the weekend, Martinelli took eight corners, so if he keeps taking those, good chance for some assists. In terms of the forwards, Darwin Nunes was top at the weekend for XG with 1.14, so he really should have been on the score sheet. He did hit the post to be fair, so he wasn't too far away. Also for XG at the weekend, Jackson was pretty high, 0.99. He missed that incredible chance. That's one reason why his XG is so high from the weekend. Edwards had seven shots in the box. Darwin had five. Jackson had four. And in that Liverpool game, Darwin Nunes had three big chances. When he's on the pitch, he gets lots and lots of chances. The question is, is he worth investing in FPL-wise? Jackson is top for the season among forwards for non-penalty XG with 3.03 and Edwards in fourth for the same metric with 2.28. Before I get stuck into listener questions, a quick plug for my Patreon. International break is a good time to sign up if you've been thinking about doing so. FPL content creation is my full-time job. If you enjoy the podcast and would you like to support it and me, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL General or just Google FPL General Patreon and you'll find it. There's also a link in my Twitter bio if you're looking for it. You'll get ITS podcasts, Thursday night live streams, Q&As, team reveals and more. Any questions you have about signing up to Patreon, you can send me a DM on Twitter. Question time now. The first one this week is from Christian Bridell. Is it time for Darwin? A very simple question. I don't think there's a very simple answer. Looking at the minutes for the season, game week one, Darwin got 24 minutes. Then it was four minutes. Then it was 13 minutes in game week three, which was enough for the brace from the bench. Then he got the start, 64 minutes, and a brace of assists. I do feel like it could be Darwin time though. I feel like he's playing well enough now to be first choice. Liverpool don't really have a like-for-like replacement as a number nine that brings the chaos that Darwin Nunes does. I feel like Klopp likes him. He wants him to work. He is working in the last couple of games and I'm confident that he will get improved minutes after international break. So I am very tempted. He's pretty cheap in FPL. Even if he is getting 60, 70 minutes, we've seen it in game week three, even if he gets 10 or 15 minutes, it's chaos. He gets chances, 10 or 15 minutes is enough for him to score and was enough for him to get two in game week three. That won't always happen, but if he's coming off the bench, if he can get you a goal, that's great. There's always a chance of a bonus point or two in that scenario as well. So I am much higher on Darwin now than I was previously, but I'm sure that's the case for most people. And for those of us who own Ollie Watkins, it's quite a tempting transfer. So that's one to chew on for the next two weeks. Liverpool fixtures are pretty decent, I think, for attackers. Wolves next, West Ham, Tottenham and Brighton. So slightly mixed, but again, Liverpool, very impressive performance against Aston Villa. Question from FPL Brooklyn. Is Son last week's Sterling for IE 
an explosive player who's likely to blank? Or does his elite finishing ability combined with playing striker for a Postacoglu side make him a must-own? Yeah, it's definitely the out-of-position aspect here. The fact that Postacoglu's team are taking loads of shots, scoring plenty of goals. We know Son's pedigree as an FPL prospect, as a very good finisher. Sheffield United next fixture, really good. Then it's Arsenal-Liverpool. But then it's Luton in game week 8. So you've got two of the promoted teams in the next four games. And we know he's capable of scoring against the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool as well. So Son out of position. Straight away, bangs in a hat-trick. We have to take note of that. I don't think it's knee-jerk to buy Youngman Son. Because the game has given you an out of position prospect. Who has been a fantastic FPL pick for quite a few seasons. So again, another player that I'm very interested in. I wouldn't put Son and Sterling in the same category. I think I'd put Son in a higher one. And certainly Tottenham look like a better attacking team than Chelsea at the moment. So Hyungman Son, another player in my thoughts along with Darwin Nunes. Question from Ugly Wolf, Son or Madison? Good question. If you don't already have a Tottenham attacker and you can only get one for Game Week 5, which one do you go for? Again, always team dependent. Obviously a lot easier to get to Madison. I think I probably still would go to Madison first because... To me, he is more likely to be the season keeper. He'll take along nicely. And there's obviously, he's got a better chance of being better value when he's a cheaper price than Son as well. Just a lot more practical and easier to fit in. I wouldn't go out of your way to rip up your team to fit in Hyungman's Son. Madison, I think I would go there first. But if you've got an easy route to Hyungman's Son, maybe you go there before others do. Because my case, for example, I probably won't go to Son in game week five for the Sheffield United game. So you could get a march on other managers who might find it a little bit harder to get there. So Son versus Madison's it's not an easy decision. I'm a happy Madison owner. I would happily buy him again for Game Week 5 if I didn't already have him. But certainly maybe the answer is get both players. That might be the way to go. If you have both for Sheffield United, you're setting yourself up nicely. Question from FPL Noble Gent. What do we do in the defensive department with so few clean sheets around in the opening four weeks of the season? Yeah, it's very, very hard to find clean sheets these days in FPL. It was slightly similar last season. And I think overall, it's just a case of, you know, all 20 teams in the league are strong. They're capable of scoring goals. Premier League is a much, you know, I think across the board, the quality has improved year on year over the last few years, which makes it hard to get clean sheets in FPL. So for that reason, at the moment, you just, I think, focus on fullbacks or wingbacks who've got some attacking potential and who don't cost very much. So players that come to mind, Stupinen, Rico Henry, Matty Cash, Udogi at Tottenham, and I still think Chilwell is a good option at Chelsea. So until we see an improvement in clean sheets... I think it's the wing-backs and the full-backs we need to target. Next question is from Marco Toycanon. Still have Gabriel on the bench as I didn't have enough trades to get rid of him. Should I hang on to him as he finally made it into a starting eleven, even though he blanked? Yeah, I'm in the same boat here, Marco. It's not a very fun boat to be in, the Gabriel boat, but we're still here. We're still just about above water. We're threatened to sink a couple of times over the last few weeks, but here we are. We're still fighting. We're still rowing. What do we do now with Gabriel? The the tricky one for us is there's a tempting fixture in game week five. It's Everton. So a good chance of an Arsenal clean sheet there. So part of me wants to keep him and start him and hope he keeps his place and then maybe get rid of him before Tottenham, Bournemouth, Man City and Chelsea. But 
I feel like we've been saying that since game week one. One more week, one more week. Maybe we should just rip the plaster off and finally get rid of him. Because even if he does start against Everton, you're still going to be worried every week that Arteta changes his tactics again and Gabriel drops out of the team. But at the moment, for game week five, I'm looking at keeping him and possibly starting him over and who plays Manchester United. So I just feel like transfers are more exciting in midfield and attack. Don't want to neglect defence too much, but I should be okay. I need to monitor things with Rhys James and Gusto because I've got Gusto, Chilwell, Estupinan and Gabriel and Bayer. So there will come a point soon where I need to make a defensive transfer. It could be game week five by the time we get to the deadline. Things might have changed, but at the moment I'm looking at keeping Gabriel, possibly playing him against Everton and then maybe looking to sell around game week six. Question from Sebastian. What to do with Chilwell? Sebastian says no returns, got subbed, gets subbed around the 60 minutes and I see Bournemouth as a tougher fixture than others. It's very unlikely that Chilwell is the weakest link in your team. I still think he's right up there as one of the best FPL prospects. Yes, the early substitutions are concerning, but as long as he's getting past that 60 minute mark, as long as I'm not welcome him to clubs on this podcast... I don't mind defenders coming off around 60 or 70 minutes because very often the clean sheet is still intact and then if it gets wiped out afterwards, we're laughing. You know, we still got those banked if he's on the bench. So for me, Chilwell is not yet an issue. Question from Orange FPL. What are your thoughts on Archer as an occasionally starting player? Orange FPL is clinging on to Sal at the moment, so looking for some budget picks to balance out the squad. Tottenham are playing very open, so I feel like Archer could get returns in Game 5. Have I gone nuts already? You're certainly not nuts for considering Archer, and you can't call anybody nuts for having Salah either, because he's returned in every game. I do prefer, still prefer spreading the cash around other options, but if you've got Salah this long, there's probably a case for keeping him at this stage, because he is so consistent. Archer is a really good option at 4.5. I'm currently in a 3-4-3 formation with Watkins, Ideally, I'd like to be on 3-5-2 with an extra midfielder instead of Nakamba and then Archer on my bench. So that's something I might end up doing with my transfers for game week five. Archer's a good option and Salah's a fine option to keep as well. Another Salah question came in from FPL Regrets. I'm on Salah and have been since game week one. Would you consider selling him for Son? Or given the fixture turn for Liverpool, should we just write it out with Mo pending no £200 million Saudi bids? Yeah, that's one you need to keep an eye on. There's still a chance Salah could go to Saudi because their transfer windows open a little bit longer. I think another couple of days. Seen a few tweets today to suggest they're going to keep pushing. So we'll see if Liverpool budge on that one. Obviously, if Salah does go, you've got a very easy move to Hyungman's son for a good fixture this week. And one eye on that Luton fixture in game week 8 as well. Even if Salah doesn't go, I would be tempted. If you don't have other issues in your squad to deal with, Salah to Son feels like a good opportunity to free up some cash and also get yourself a pick that looks really good in Hyung Min Son. Question from John Hyde. Who's the best Watkins replacement? So John is already there. He's done with Watkins. He wants him out the door. I might be there by the time we get to the game week 5 deadline. Options, if you don't have Jackson already, I still think he's a good option. He's a frustrating option at times if you own him, but he's, his numbers are good and he still has the fixtures. Julian Alvarez is looking a really good pick at Manchester City this season, getting plenty of minutes and getting the attacking returns as well. We talked about Darwin, if you fancy it, I don't mind it. Gabriel Jesus also, although I probably want to see a 
few more starts before I went to Gabriel Jesus. And then you've got a few more options that come with caveats. Ferguson, who we spoke about. Wissa, under the radar because he started the season well, but he hasn't scored in the last two. I still like him as an option at a good price. I think the best Watkins replacement, if you're in a 3-4-3 formation, is probably Archer and get yourself an extra midfielder. That's certainly what I like most if I do sell Watkins. Question from Stephen Clark. Brought Bowen in for the Luton game. Well done. But should I sell or bench for the next two? So those who brought in Bowen knew he played Man City and Liverpool next. If you can bench him, I wouldn't even... If you keep him, I, I think you probably just start him against City and Liverpool. I think that's absolutely fine. He can certainly get returns. West Ham have spent the rice money very well. They're looking like a really good outfit. War Prowse is great. Alvarez is great. They're a really good side. So they could make it difficult for Man City and Liverpool. And if they do, Jared Bowen is likely to be involved. Three goals for the season. Good underlying numbers. And the tempting thing about keeping Bowen is game week eight, Sheffield United at home. So you've got a good fixture if you stick with him. Bowen could be a season keeper. He could just be a really good option. Could be back to the form of two years ago. So I would be inclined to keep him, I think, and use the transfer elsewhere. Question from FPL Crickets. Nick asks, is Ward-Prowse a better pick than Bowen? He's got three straight games with goal involvement and I don't even think he's taken a direct free kick yet. Yeah, we know direct free kicks for Ward-Prowse are basically penalties. He's very, very good at them. Ward-Prowse, he started the season really well, both football-wise for West Ham and FPL-wise. So many avenues to points. He reminds a similar bracket to Eze for me. I think if you go Eze or Ward-Prowse, it feels like you might need to just plug them in and leave them there long term to get the benefits. And when that's the case, I always go down the route of more exciting picks. You know, the Arsenal guys, the Fodens, the Madisons, the Hyungman Sons. It feels quite boring to just plug in a player and leave them there. You don't necessarily have to do that. But WordPress is certainly right up there. As good a pick as Bowen at the moment. And if someone was coming to me last week and said, I'm going to go Ward Prowse instead of Bowen for the Luton game, I would have said, go ahead, because he has those avenues to points. But not just that. I've been kind of struck from watching a couple of West Ham games this season that Ward Prowse is linking really well in open play with the attackers also. So there's probably scope for some goals from, from open play for Ward Prowse as well. He's got one already, I'm sure. So there could be a few more to come. Certainly two good options from the Hammers attack there. Question from Frank Lampard. I wonder, is this the Frank Lampard? He's gone from managing Chelsea and Everton to asking me about his FPL team. Of course it's not, but it's it's pretty funny to think about it that it is. Frank Lampard asks, or Frank Lampard says, he's been holding on to Eze for all of these game weeks when he finally paid off yesterday. Considering the okay fixtures ahead, should I keep Eze or sell him? And if I sell him, who should I buy? 3.6 million in the bank. So if you look at the Palace fixtures, Villa, Fulham, Man United, Forest, Newcastle, Tottenham. So I would say in there you've probably got four out of six that are pretty tricky on paper at least. Maybe even five. You know, Fulham is the only really tasty one in there. I wouldn't say Forest is an easy game for anyone at the moment given their recent performances. And it comes back to the other options available. Eze is a really good FPL pick, but there's probably seven or eight other midfielders that I would rate higher. And because Frankie Lampard here has 3.6 million in the bank, I would probably look to spend a little bit more on some of the players we mentioned earlier and some of the options on the watch list. Eze, one of those, fine to keep, fine to sell. But when you look at the fixtures 
and you look at the other options available, if there's no other fires to fight, I don't mind a transfer out. Question from FPL Just Brill. Are you satisfied with how the first four game weeks have gone? Satisfied? I would say just about satisfied. Certainly not delighted. It certainly wasn't a Just Brill start to the season, like your name. 1.1 million overall. I mean, certainly was it game week two was an absolute disaster. Bounced back in game week three. And then game week four wasn't great, but... I'm trying to think of it in the mindset of don't focus on the first four game weeks because if, if this was for example game week 17 to 21 or whatever game week 17 to 20 would I be too worried not really you know you get little spells in the season that don't go fantastically well it always feels worse when it's at the start of the season but again I've I've got a decent platform to build on you know still got the wild card to play and all that kind of stuff I think the team is is absolutely fine you know, might be tempted into a minus four if I don't wild card. But if I took a minus four for gaming five, I would be looking at a team that I'm really happy with on paper. So just about satisfied with the first four game weeks, but it's early days. Everyone's bunched up in ranks in many leagues. So yeah, more important how the next few game weeks go rather than how the first four game weeks have gone. Final question is from Johnny Small. Uh, the dog's moaning in the background, so maybe she thinks I should hit the wildcard button. Johnny asks, Game Week 5 international break wildcard is very tempting. Is it a good idea or a bad idea? As I always say on the podcast, there's never a right or wrong time to wildcard. If you feel like your team needs it, absolutely go for it. I was very, very tempted by it. But I think Game Week 4 was, you know, a few things happened that I was happy enough with. I was happy to see Gabriel get his place back, so maybe he's an option for me Game Week 5. You know, Rashford delivered. Uh, Madison delivered so there's not a huge amount wrong with my squads and I know a lot of people who wildcard during international break they press the button straight away you know on Saturday night or Sunday night to catch a few price rises that doesn't bother me too much and if it gets to next week and a few things have happened that changes my thinking I'll happily activate the wildcard you know two or three days before the deadline I don't really mind about the price fluctuations so if your team needs it international breaks are a nice time to do a wildcard because you've got time and wildcards do need time. Sometimes it can be too much time. You can over-tinker. But you can go back and watch games and look at stats and stuff like that. And you know, really study the fixtures in more detail. So it's all team dependent. If you feel like the time is right, Game Week 5 is an absolutely fine time to wildcard. An early look at captaincy now for Game Week 5. The main man, Erling Haaland, is away to West Ham. Not the easiest fixture on paper, but off the back of another hat-trick. I think my armband will just stay there. I went into the season just saying auto-captain Haaland until there's rotation or injury. So I'm going to stick to the plan. Sack is a decent option away to Everton. Madison and Hyungman Son are tempting captaincy options at home to Sheffield United. I think those who buy Hyungman Son in particular or already own him will be very tempted to throw the armband on him. And you've also got Salah and again those who buy Darwin against Wolves. Liverpool Wolves is the first game of the game week. So we might get early team news before the FPL deadline on Saturday morning the 16th of September. And if we do and if Darwin Nunes is in the team... A lot of people will buy him, and some people might even captain him. But my advice, as always, Erling Haaland is a goal machine, and I would not bet against him. A quick look at possible transfers. My notes here say I've got no idea yet what I'll be doing with a free transfer. Slight temptation to wildcard, but don't think that will happen. Early thoughts, I could do Gabriel, get rid of him, and get Udogi at Tottenham for a good fixture, and then maybe rotate Udogi with Stupinen based on fixtures over the next few weeks that's something I'm thinking about 
Another option, do I sell Watkins? He hasn't scored yet. Fixtures are not fantastic. Could go to Alvarez at Manchester City. But I think what I like most is the minus four for a restructure. And I've kind of been threatened to do this restructure for the last couple of weeks. Move from 3-4-3 to 3-5-2. So minus four would be something like Watkins to Archer. Archer goes on the bench. Nakamba then can become anyone, basically. Sterling, not anyone, but you know, decent mid-price midfielders. Marvellous could be Sterling, Mbumo, Foden, maybe even Odegaard or Martinelli. Can't afford Youngman's son in that kind of transfer, but doesn't bother me too much. I've got Madison. So, again, Game Week 5 is a lifetime away, so we won't spend too much time on this, but that's just a few of my early thoughts. I'll refer to those when it comes to actually making my moves. The bus team at the moment for Game Week 5 is Turner in goal. He's got a better fixture than Johnston. Gusto, Chilwell, Gabriel. So Gabriel's currently in my starting 11 with a Stupinen on the bench. So we'll monitor that one during the break. Saka, Bruno, Rashford, Madison, Haaland, Watkins and Jackson. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen, folks. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a good international break. If you're not interested in the Patreon stuff, you can simply buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash FPL General. I'm a big coffee fan. I have about two a day, so all the pennies help there. I'll talk to you again next week. Like I said, probably on the Friday in more detail after international games. Enjoy the stress-free weekend. Podcast Network.